corrections, we recently released Ramones Part 1, and it's not a real correction, it's just Victoria. Um, I don't know if she sent this to you. Oh, I guess she did. Uh, she said, Cassie, during the Ramones episode, you said you weren't sure if they'd do much for a broken toe, because Johnny had broken his toe and his dad still made him play baseball or whatever. Right. She said that they don't really put boots on broken toes or like, we don't fucking know. Victoria says, in middle school, I broke my pinky toe all the way through the bone by tripping up the stairs on the first day of spring break. I remember this and it was hilarious from my perspective because <laughs> she was like, we had these wooden steps and they were like the floating steps. So there was nothing uh, behind yeah, them. Yeah. And she was fucking like like running up the stairs and knocked her fucking toe <laughs> on it and busted that shit first day of spring break this is when we lived in germany she said my dad didn't think it was broken so i didn't go to the emergency room immediately which he tends to do that shit he broke his ankle in germany too and didn't go for like i want to say several weeks if not one um she said i was scooting up the stairs and hopping around for two days before my mom made my dad take me to the er German doctors reset my pinky toe under some kind of x-ray machine without any pain medication at all in the process. Yeah, because you were like 12. They're not going to give you oxys. Um, and then wrapped it up and put a boot on me and tried to send me on my way. I couldn't walk without assistance, though. So when we left the emergency room, I had to sit down on the curb so my dad could go back and get crutches. And they gave me those ones that wrap around your arm. She says, funny story of the day, I guess. That was hilarious. Jake didn't, really, Jake didn't really laugh. So, you know, I guess they can do <laughs> stuff for a broken toe. That they can charge you for it. Oh, yeah. That's for sure. If you go, they will make you spend some money. Mm -hmm. So, anyways, Victoria, however, she was scooting up and down the stairs, but she was not playing baseball. I feel like that's mean. And I think he had broken his big toe, and that really affects your balance. Yeah, that one you kind of need more than your, your pinky toe. Yeah, your pinky toe is just bullshit. It, does, it could fucking fall off, and it wouldn't really matter. But your big toe, I think, <laughs> affects your balance. So I don't know if playing baseball with a broken big toe is the best idea. I don't know. He survived. Well, we'll get to Ramones Part 2 pretty soon here. Maybe it'll come out this Wednesday. Who fucking knows? Stay tuned. Um, we also got some emails from some people. We got a couple of really good emails. One of them I'm going to read on the Ramones episode. And one of them I'll read right now. This is from B.T. McMenemy, which sounds like a fake name. But I think it's their real name. Anyways. <laughs> Hi, Cassie, Alex, and Jake. I've been really enjoying the podcast in general, especially the episodes that go into concert tragedies, which are probably our least favorite ones. Because oh, yeah. They're so depressing. Uh, but anyways, I'm a big fan of the work you guys do to look into how the setups of the venues and the actions of security in the band either contributed or mitigated the inherent risk of lots of people in one place. I'm also super excited about the Ramones series that's going out since my musical interest is pretty heavy on punk and noise music in general. And noise music. What does that really mean? That, that's a new genre. I mean, I'm thinking of like I'm sure I've heard of Yoko Ono would oh, be. Maybe. I mean, to me, that's noise. So I would say maybe that. <laughs> um, we got a couple of suggestions here for possible deaths. D. Boone of the Minutemen says incredibly sad and tragic just make sure to do some extra research because the cause of the fatal car accident was initially misreported and that version still gets repeated sometimes which hmm. reminds me of bessie smith with with her car accident how it was misreported that oh yeah the there were there were three or four different stories going around yeah. nobody could really get it straight but you kind of get the idea if you, if you read all of them so yeah it was like how the accident happened and then what the aftermath was yeah uh, Darby Crash of the Germs 
She says everything about his life is weird in a tragic comedic way. Also, you get the first part of Pat Smear, guy whose bands keep falling apart, and he's in the Foo Fighters. Okay. And I'm assuming he was also in Nirvana because <laughs> bands keep falling apart. But yeah, uh, Richie Edwards of Manic Street Preachers, which she says kind of similar to Bobby Fuller in that there's a bit of mystery here. He straight up vanished, and while he most likely committed suicide, people still claim that they've seen him in India and stuff. Hmm. So that's interesting. I'm always up for a good mystery. The Bobby Fuller episode. Were you on that one? No. no it was no. really weird. Yeah, he ended up in a car covered in gas. Yeah. With broken fingers and all kinds of crap. Yeah, yeah he was yeah, all was, beat the fuck wild. up and super weird. And I don't think they did an autopsy. Um, and that was in L.A., right? Wasn't it? Was it in L.A.? I don't know. I don't remember ex- exactly. No, but I, I don't know necessarily, but I know it had to do probably with Alan Klein who was yeah. the manager of Sam Cooke as well. Yep. And a lot of shady shit happened around that guy. So these are interesting. And um, you also sent a couple of articles that don't involve death. So I should have read this email <laughs> before we picked out a topic for today. Maybe we'll do one of these for uh, our next mini episode. I actually suggested the Trent Reznor FBI investigation, which we already did, but it's on oh, Patreon. Yeah, yeah. So um, if you guys missed that, Trent Reznor, like the FBI thought he was dead for like two years but it was just because of some footage from a anyway go for subscribe to patreon i don't think they thought he was dead they thought somebody was they dead thought right someone was dead and it, he was the person in the video yeah so they thought someone was dead and they couldn't figure out who it was yeah. and then eventually found out that it was him <laughs> that one was and crazy he was alive. That was, that was kind of funny that was a that was a very interesting story so that one's on our patreon if you go to patreon.com slash podcast team <sighs> anyways that was our one of our emails yeah. And, and I'm uh, going to read the other one because it was long. Uh, I'll read it on the next episode. Oh, all right. Well, you're listening to Death by Music Podcast. I'm Jake, and I'm here with Alex, and Cassie is out today because she is very busy still. Yeah. <laughs> she's been nonstop. I she's like, been slammed her. for like the last five months. So. Every week I'm like, can you guys record on like Monday or Wednesday? And then nobody responds. And then the next week I'm like, can you guys record on Monday or Wednesday? And then nobody responds. And well, I'm, I'm, like, okay, I'm generally, I'm if I can't, I'll tell you, but. Yeah, I'm, I just I'm generally, of, I know you're more asking Cassie than, than Yeah, I figure than that you're not going <laughs> to respond, but you should be in on the conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, anyways, um, today I figure we do some more classical shit because it's fun. So I found a story on The Riot at the Right. It's the premiere of The Right of Spring. So this is, it's a ballet, actually, which we haven't talked about before, but classical type music and this took place in 1913 so cool. anyways yeah uh <laughs> this is by ivan hewitt it's on bl.uk book i don't know what that oh british library okay well that makes sense oh and it was published in 2016 all right ivan hewitt describes the ballet that caused a riot on its premiere in paris in may 1913 and i think that this just goes to show that people have always been the same you would not think a ballet would cause a riot. I mean, that's just ridiculous, right? I, I guess it was hot shit back in the day. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, all, that's the only entertainment they had. This was their rock and roll. <laughs> they were like, whoa, too raunchy. So let's get into it. The premiere of Igor, or would you say Igor? I'd say Igor. Igor Stravinsky. Igor, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Oh, Igor. <laughs> I don't, I'm assuming this is a Russian guy, and I don't know how to pronounce Russian words. Igor Stravinsky's The Rite of Spring is perhaps the most famous scandal in the history of the performing arts. 
It took place on the evening of May 29th, which is, that's your birthday, isn't it? Yes, 1913. 1913, that's when you were born. Exactly. At the brand new Theater des Champs-Élysées in Paris, uh, in front of a glittering audience. The writer, Jean Cocteau, wrote <laughs> that the smart audience in Tales and Tulle, Diamonds and Ospreys, was interspersed with the suits and bandeau of the aesthetic crowd. The latter would applaud novelty simply to show their contempt for the people in the boxes. I'm not really sure what I just read. Um, <laughs> Did anybody get that? It sounds like all of the hip people were there. So there were normal people and then there were rich people. Yeah, and then the, the, the hipsters were making fun of the people in the with money in the boxes. I guess. Sounds good to me. What drew both... Oh, yeah, here we go. <laughs> They're explaining it in the next sentence. What drew b- both the swanky crowd and the art-loving crowd was the whiff of something potentially outrageous. A brand new ballet from the Ballets Russes, a company of Russian dancers put together by the most famous impresario in history, Serge Diaghilev. I should have really <laughs> read this first. Yeah. <laughs> The ballet ruses had entranced and shocked Paris ever since their first appearance there in 1909. What the Parisians especially liked was the way these northern savages, as one critic called the company, played to the fashion for everything primitive and untamed. All the rumors about the Rite of Spring suggested this new ballet would be more than usually primitive. Igor Stravinsky, the composer, had scored a massive hit the previous year with Petrushka, a ballet in which three puppets enact the story of love and jealousy. This added an exciting element of modernist collage to colorful Russian folklore. Vaslav Nijinsky, the famous dancer who was also the choreographer of the rite, had caused a minor scandal a few months previously with his blatantly erotic portrayal of the lovesick fawn in Debussy's Le Premier de Fawn. So... <laughs> A lovesick this, fawn. That's a deer, right? It's a right? deer, I'm pretty sure. So were they like fucking the deer? I don't know. Or was it about two deers fucking? I mean, they didn't have the Discovery Channel back then, so. No. You had to learn about these things somehow. No, they didn't have a uh, uh, Bloodhound Gang either. Yeah, unfortunately. So they didn't so know. Th- this guy's basically 1913's Bloodhound Gang. What actually happened on that scandalous night will always be a mystery to some degree because the reports contradict each other. Was it the choreography that annoyed people or the music? Were the police really called? Was it true that missiles were thrown and challenges to a duel offered? Were the creators booed at the end or cheered? The dancer Dame Marie Rambert remembered that right at the beginning, a shout went up in the gallery. Un docteur! Call a doctor. Somebody else shouted louder. Un dentiste! <laughs> A dentist. <laughs> All right. Why are they yelling this at the ballet? Uh, well, it sounds like somebody needs a doctor, and then the other people were like, call a dentist, because they were like, what the fuck are you doing? They're just shouting random bullshit. Uh, yeah. The aristocrat Harry Kessler said that people started to whisper and joke almost immediately. Stravinsky himself was so angry that he stormed out and went backstage to help the dancers keep time. What is going on here? Uh, What is certain is that the audience was shocked, and with good reason. Stravinsky's Stravinsky's score for The Rite of Spring contradicted every rule about what music should be. Good for him. Yeah, he sounds like cutting edge. A rebel, yeah. The sounds are often deliberately harsh, 
right from opening Lithuanian folk melody, which is played by the bassoon in its highest, most uncomfortable range. The music was cacophonously loud, assaulting the ears with thunderous percussion and shrieking brass. Rhythmically, it was complex in a completely unprecedented way. In the ritual of the rival tribes, the music unfolds in two speeds at once. Oh, he was fucking with the time signatures uh, in a ratio of 3-2. And it makes lavish use of dissonance, i.e. combinations of notes which don't make normal harmonic sense. The music always goes to the note next to the one you expect, wrote one exasperated critic. All right, so he wrote a song that uh, basically every note was off by one. I love that. There's people <laughs> who do that on YouTube. What's that channel where they oh, flip it to... Uh, oh, you're talking like uh, uh, major to minor. Well, there's major to minor, but and that, then there's that, the that one actually where still it, sounds normal, though. That's not like they... they it sounds good. It just sounds sad. Yeah. There's the one where they take songs by like Disturbed and like oh, Slipknot. Oh, yeah. And they just fuck oh, it up. Shit. Who was that guy? I can't remember now. They're like Slipknot, but every note sucks. Yeah, Slipknot, but it's a shit show. And I, I can't remember the yeah. name of the, the channel. Magic Mike. That's what it's called? M-A-G-I-K Mike. Yeah, he's the guy that did it. He changed the titles of them from Shit, shit Show to uh, It's a Complete, complete mess. mess. Okay. Am I psychosocial, but it's a complete mess. Yeah. Nothing else matters, but it's a complete mess. <laughs> Toxicity, but it's a complete mess. So he takes all these metal songs and he makes all of the notes wrong and like changes the time and like puts people clapping or cheering when it's like really inappropriate. Mm -hmm. It's just terrible. But it's wonderful it's, because it's of that. It's <laughs> hilarious. So anyways, that's what this sounds like. This guy just sounds like a troll. He's like, oh, you thought the ballet was going to be cool and fun and normal? It's jokes on you, bitch. So then there was the dance choreographed by Nijinsky. According to some observers, this was what really caused the scandal at the first night. When the curtain rose, the audience saw a row of knock-kneed and long-braided lolitas jumping up and down, as Stravinsky called them, who seemed to jerk rather than dance. Classical dance aspired upwards in defiance of gravity, whereas Nijinsky's dancers seemed pulled down to earth. Their strange stamping movements and awkward poses defied every canon of gracefulness. Yeah, they were doing that, that Russian kick your legs out while you're like right on top of the... That yeah. one? <laughs> uh, both the music and the dance of the Rite of Spring seem to deny the possibility of human feelings, which for most people is what gives art its meaning. As Stravinsky put it, there are simply no regions for soul-searching in the Rite of Spring. This is what separates it so decisively from Stravinsky's hit of 1911, Petrushka. All right, so he like had a big song that everybody was like, wow, this is incredible. And he basically tricked them into coming to this ballet. And they sat down and they were like, what the fuck? Hmm. He like weird owl them. Uh, then we're immersed in a human world, which exudes the very specific cultural ambience of Russia. It's true that the main characters are puppets rather than being rather than rounded human beings, but they have characters, even if they're somewhat rudimentary. And at the end, there's even a suggestion that Petruska might have a soul. In contrast, there's no sign that any of the creatures in the Rite of Spring have soul, and there's certainly no sense of a recognizable human culture. The dancers are like automata. Whose only role is to enact the ritual? Uh, oh, automata. Automata. Robots. Mana, mana. Okay, the dancers are like. How did you say that? Robots. Automata. Uh, automata. Oh, okay, okay. The the dancers are like <laughs> automata, 
aka robots, whose only role is to enact the ritual laid down by immemorial custom. An iron necessity rules everything. There has to be a game of rival tribes. There has to be dance of the young girls. And an elder has to bless the earth. And finally, a young girl has to be chosen and then abandoned to her fate, which is to dance herself to death. Given all this, it's no surprise that there was a scandal. And yet, among the shouting and hissing, there were one or two sensitive observers who realized they were witnessing something deeply original rather than merely shocking. The American and later British poet T.S. Eliot really... Oh, traitor. <laughs> yeah, who goes back that way? <laughs> we only go one way. Uh, T.S. Eliot realized that what made the music of the right original was its puzzling combination of the primitive and the modern. He felt that Stravinsky's music seemed to transform the rhythm of the steps into the scream of the motor horn. The rattle of machinery, the grind of wheels, the beating of iron and steel, the roar of the underground railway, and the other barbaric cries of modern life. And to transform these despairing noises into music. Well, this goes with our email that we got about loving noise music. Right. You would probably love this. As for the dance, it's primitivism was deeply disturbing to many, including the French writer Jacques Rivière. There was something profoundly blind about this dance, he wrote about the premiere, and went on. There is an enormous question being carried about by all these creatures moving before our eyes. It is in no way distinct from themselves. They carry it about with them without understanding it, like an animal that turns in its cage and never tires of butting its head against the bars. Anyways, to be reminded of the brute animal unconsciousness at the zoo is one thing. To have it enacted by a troupe of highly trained dancers and musicians in a theater full of Parisian sophisticates is quite another. Perhaps the uproar at the premiere was a sign of disquiet, a feeling that the world had lost its moorings and that barbarism was about to let loose in the streets. Given that the First World War would soon break out, that feeling wasn't so wide of the mark. I'm half curious to watch this, but then I know I will not have any clue what the fuck is going on. Yeah. I mean, the mo the interesting part to me was that... And it it'll be boring. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, who cares? We've seen such ridiculous shit that, like, watching a ballet where the music is stupid and the dancing is stupid is, like, probably Honestly, not that shocking. I, I wouldn't know the difference, though. Yeah, I like mean, the way they pe the way these people talk about this, it's like their their noses are so far up their ass, like yeah, uh, they're just snobs of the 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 most complete sort. Yeah, they're just being elitists. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know. Yeah, so like basically the reason why this was interesting to me is like whatever they were doing, it caused these sophisticated snobby nose up their ass type people to start a fucking riot. Um, and yeah, they were saying that like the police were called and somebody was like about to, like they challenged the guy to a duel over a fucking ballet that they didn't like. I wonder how hmm. much it costs to get in there. But yeah, everybody was like super pissed off and, um, you know, this doesn't just happen at, it's not just hip hop concerts <laughs> when everyone's like, oh, it's the music. Oh, that's why they, they got aggressive. Bitch, they were doing this at ballets in 1913. Yeah. People be starting riots because <laughs> they don't like whatever the fuck's going on. So it doesn't matter the genre. Um, humans have always been exactly the same as they are. And if it's not one thing, it's, you know, in like 20 years, there's going to be some other kind of riot at a show and everyone's going to be like, it's the music. 
Oh, yeah, that, that happens. That's been going on for forever. No, it's so. literally just humans being dicks, yeah. but yeah. I'm sure I'm sure we'll be yelling at the kids. Well, I'll be yelling at the kids here in, in a while for whatever shit they're listening to. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you do anyways. Get off they don't alone. make music like they used to. Yeah, I think if anybody is like that, it's going to be you. <laughs> I actually, I went to um, I went to see Tears for Fears last night. Yeah. And a couple of days before that, I went and saw Stick Figure and Pepper. And they're like a reggae. They're reggae groups. Mm-hmm. And Tears for Fears is like one of the biggest pop groups of the 80s. Yep. And somebody, I, I post videos in, of all this shit on my Instagram. And somebody commented and they were like, your your concert stories are so fucking weird. <laughs> like they're just <laughs> one extreme to the next. And I was like, yeah, I like to see what everybody's doing. You know, I mean, shit. I went from listening to Polka to, to Ghost Man the other day. So I mean, that's pretty extreme. Speaking of Polka, <laughs> uh, would you ever join a Polka band? And if so, what would you play? Because I may have an opportunity for you. Um. Oh well, I mean, I could play French horn. Can't, they isn't that's that what not you played really, when you were in school? Did yeah. you play French horn? Yeah, I, I don't know if that's really a... I guess it could be a polka instrument. Yeah, it's a horn. Yeah. Well, it's not a tuba, but Yeah, well, they, yeah, they usually got tubas, a trumpet, maybe a clarinet. Would you be willing and able to join a polka group? I'd probably be able to, not willing, though. Well, never mind then. No polka for you. I, I haven't played instruments. like I haven't played that thing in over 20 years, so... And just for the people here, what's that polka song that you r- recommend? Techno Cotton Eye Joe yeah, style like one. I got it right here. Polka. Yeah, hold on. Let me look that it up. Jake was playing the other day. I, yeah, so I was I was I had this uh, top one hundred polka hits or some shit playing on Pandora at work. Ah, here it is. It is by some Dutch guys, D Dolazen. Assuming I'm saying that right. The song is Titum, Dop to Dop Remix. <laughs> That's not very helpful. Um, um, but it's good. It's like if you ever listen to Cotton Eye Joe, it's kind of that 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 super hyper, hyper pop, uh, hyper pop techno from like twenty years ago. Yeah, that, like that's Dance exactly Dance Revolution, it is. but it's yeah. a polka. Yeah, and so, they just, they just made it too. It's like a fairly recent song, and I've been I've been listening to their stuff on Spotify, and it's pretty good. If you like shit that's really annoying, look it up. T i t o m exclamation point. Yeah, that is how you spell it. You will find it. D doalatsen or yep. something like that. Dop to dop. I don't. It, it, it's all in Dutch too. Like they say, they they speak in English sometimes. But if you go listen to their lyrics like dutch is it's such a ridiculous language it doesn't sound like it's real yeah and they're, they're in here singing it and it's 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 great they sound like they're sims every time that i hear dutch yeah. i'm so fucking confused because it's like they're speaking german with an american accent exactly and sometimes it sounds like german sometimes it sounds like russian and then other times it just sounds like nothing like but they're speaking i don't know if they have like on. an american accent and it's crazy yeah. So, anyways, um, check that out. And make sure you guys tune in Wednesday for the Ramones Part 2. Cassie will be a part of that episode. And I think that we're going to leave you there. Make sure you join our Facebook group, too, so you can chit-chat with us, share some links. And, hey, maybe I'll post that video for the song since, oh, yeah. since we can't pronounce it That'd right. That would probably be a good idea. It. Yeah, maybe yeah. I'll go, post go the check fucking, out, Yeah, go check out the link. We'll put the ballet video in there, too. Shit. We'll see if I remember. If I don't remember and you guys go in the group and it's not there, fucking post that shit. Thanks for (laughs) listening and rest in peace. Later.
Death by Music podcast is written and produced by Victoria Motler, Alex Motler, Cassie Gardner, and Jake.